this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. Well, I'm going to try to buzz through this. This is more of a teaching, and I had so much to share today, but worship was so powerful, I couldn't just stop worshiping. So if I'm going to go, I'm going to talk a little bit fast, if that's okay, but I hear I do that anyway, so... Um, all right, Romans 6, 3. If you got your Bibles, I actually had someone tell me one time, man, I picked up your sermon notes for the life group thing, and I thought, 12 pages? There's no way you got through 12 pages. And then I read it, and you got through all 12 pages. That's because I should have been an auctioneer, so I guess I talked fast. All right, here we go. Um, here we go, Romans 6, verse 3. This is just a key verse, and then you're going to see a lot of things on the screen, but this, this first one's not on the screen. Just want you to hear this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, ever say baptized, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Everybody say newness of life. I love that phrase. I call the sermon Wash New, but the sermon series is called Spirit and Sacrament. How many of you maybe were here about two years ago when I had a dry erase board up here and I talked about liturgy and uh, fundamental Christianity and Protestant and over here in charismatics and we were, is there anybody else here? Like two of you? Great. That's great. Awesome. Just the whole church just filled up. Um, so Spirit and sacrament is something I'm, I'm very passionate about because in my traveling, uh, used to, I used to travel when I was a worship leader here. There were seven years where I wasn't also a youth pastor and I was traveling a lot. And I would go into Catholic churches and Baptist churches and Presbyterian churches and and we'd invite the Spirit of God. And did you know the Spirit of God would show up? Yes, the Spirit of God shows up in other churches outside the assemblies. Who would have thought, right? So the kingdom of God is panoramic. In fact, I want everybody to do this with me. Put your, put your eyes up like this. A lot of people say, this is, this is the kingdom of God, and it's, it's SD. And some people go, actually, I've visited a couple churches. That's the kingdom of God is HD. No, the kingdom of God is panoramic. Everybody do this. Whoa, it's beautiful, right? You ever take a picture of the lake, right? You take it, right? Actually, you guys want to hear a really funny story? I got nothing funny in my sermon, so I might as well give you something funny now. I collect all my, a bunch of friends, and I'm like, Jason, Jacqueline, and Tim, Tammy, let's go watch the Northern Lights. How many of you guys heard about the Northern Lights that were going to happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a true story. How many of you heard about the Northern Lights that we were about to see? Okay, how many of you actually got the news, though, that we were then not going to see them the day before? Yes, all of you. Yeah, I didn't. So I get all my friends together, and we go up to Mosquito Lake, and we're like, Everybody's like, I don't see them. You know, my kids are like, I don't see anything. You know, <laughs> like, I'm getting bit up by mosquitoes. And I'm like, it's all part of the experience, you know? And I'm like trying to, like, they're coming. Next thing you know, I saw this green glow. I'm like, it's the Northern Lights. And everybody gets their camera, like, look at it. And my wife goes, that's the fair, you idiot. And I'm like, oh. I was never more disappointed in my entire life. There's just this little green glow. I was like, it's the Northern Lights. It's the fair. Awesome. She might not have called me an idiot, but she was thinking it. Let's, I know that. It doesn't take a gift of prophecy to know she was thinking that. All right. That has nothing to do with the sermon, but let's get into the word. 
Despite our best efforts, only the Spirit of God draws us into righteousness, pointing us to Jesus. And it's the Spirit of God that is alive and present in the earth. And the Spirit of God is the voice of God in the earth. It's something I share here a lot because I really want you to get that. The Spirit of God is the voice of God in the earth. And he brings newness of life. He brings the very scriptures to life. How many of you guys have ever been reading the word and suddenly one verse or a couple words will pop into your spirit and just hit you? How many know what I'm talking about? Listen, that's the Spirit of God. That is not the Starbucks you're drinking. That's not, even if that helped a little, it's the Spirit of God that made that, that verse or that word pop into your spirit and become a revelation, a, a revelation truth for you in that moment. It's the same Spirit of God that drew you into repentance. Despite our best efforts, only the Spirit of God draws us into righteousness. The reason I say that is many of us, um, since, since January in particular, come from um, a liturgical background. We've had three or four families uh, with Catholic background, three or four families with Presbyterian background, and there was, you know, specific things said at specific times, and it's it's expected, it's anticipated, and we know what's going to happen. But on the other side of that, and there's a beauty in that, we're going to get to that. On the other side of that, a lot of us grew up in what we call Pentecost. So, what is Pentecost? I am glad you asked. Pentecost, right, is this experience that happened where God poured out his spirit 50 days after the resurrection. Everybody say 50 days. That's what Penta means is 50. So 50 days, just like God said, just like Jesus said, okay, hey, go to the upper room. I'm going to pour out my spirit. God did that. And in fact, Will sang about it. It came in like a rushing wind. It felt like the whole building was shaking. Maybe the building was shaking, but to them, they heard a rushing wind felt like the building was shaking, and they literally saw tongues of fire on their head. Now, some people say that's literal. Some people, it was, it's a revelation. It doesn't matter how you interpret it. That's what they experienced when they were filled with the Spirit of God. So this is what Pentecost means. And for some of you, uh, it, in fact, let me just ask, how many of you grew up in a charismatic or Pentecostal church? Can you raise your hand? I'm assuming two-thirds. Yeah, about two-thirds. I know you guys pretty well now. About two-thirds. And so I want to just give you a little bit of church history real quick. And I did a lot of reading. I'm going to condense this down into just three or four minutes, best I can. The charismatic movement is this outpouring of the Spirit of Jesus at the outset. It has not changed into something bad since, as some people are saying today and every day, on social media, very famous ministers are uh, bringing a lot of condensation and, and really hateful things to the charismatic movement. So I want to give you some truth about that. So since the day of Pentecost, everybody say since the day of Pentecost. Since the day of Pentecost, there have been multiple outpourings of the Spirit. I'm just going to give you a few. Charles Parham in his small church in Topeka, Kansas. That's where we trace back the roots of the Assemblies of God, 1906, okay? God poured out his Spirit. Uh, there was miracles. They're speaking in tongues, just like they had read about in the book of Acts. Powerful, powerful experience, Okay? That began the Assemblies of God. In fact, many other denominations, by the way, sprung forth out of that by one outpouring. By the way, did you know one moment, one outpouring can birth millions of people getting saved? Okay, because why? The Spirit draws people to who? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Okay. So 
it's very hard to me not to say names, but when certain names take, right, which they're doing right now all the time with hundreds of thousands of followers, and they say the charismatic movement is not real because this person didn't finish seminary, or the, the charismatic isn't, movement isn't real because this one bad actor, hear me, there was bad actors and there was some turmoil in the early church, in the book of Acts. So man's failures don't negate God's plan. Man's, man's mess ups don't affect what God is doing in the earth. It doesn't, it doesn't negate the move of the spirit. When Paul and Barnabas disagreed and when Paul's like, look, I, I pray that God reveals to you that I'm right. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious, right? That he says that, but he says that. And they go their separate way. It doesn't negate that God was still birthing the church. Come on, are you with me? All right, this is more of a teaching today, but I really, I, this is so deep in my heart. I need you guys to hear this. Some are unaware that there are multiple Pentecostal denominations. And so some people who are saying these things and spewing this garbage that because this didn't, isn't actually true for the assemblies and he didn't do this and he didn't do that, or there was this mistake or whatever, they don't realize that there have been multiple expressions of the Holy Spirit. They ignore Alan Anderson's warning about ignoring multinational, multiple, multicultural origins of Pentecost, Wales, of Charles Wesley, of John Kilpatrick in 1995. This is what we experienced. We went to Brownsville. It was life-changing, wasn't it? We went to, Pastor Jason and Jacqueline went to, went to the same Bible school as me, and it was birthed out of an outpouring of God's Spirit in 1995, in Father's Day, 1995. They already had a church that was doing good, reading the Bible, worshiping, loving one another, but, God, but, but John Kilpatrick was praying for an outpouring of God's Spirit that he had read about and heard about. In fact, if you really hear some of his stories, he had visited John Wimber's church in Vineyard, which that's another outpouring in, in Canada, and, and had felt God's presence do something legit there. And his wife, his wife was actually really touched by the presence of God. And he's like, if she knows it's real, then I know it's real. How many of you guys got a smart wife? How many? Come on, raise your hands. Every, every husband better, every husband better raise their hand on that one. Woo! How many of you guys got an awesome wife? Come on. Yeah. Nolan, you're out of the doghouse for, for months. Until tomorrow, until you say something else. Okay. So our subject today is spirit and sacrament. How to hold these two things in tension. And hear me, holding two things in tension does not mean compromise. It means wisdom. Two things can be true at once. Two things can be true at once. Let me say it also like this. There will always be things you can't explain in the way that God deals with people. The very fact that you can't explain it proves you are not God. And anytime you try to say, I want to make my entire doctrine out of this one experience, right? We talked about this at Life Group last night. Our, our Life Group friends were asking some really great questions about this kind of doctrine and this philosophy. And I shared with them, I said, I'm actually going to share this tomorrow that we have to be careful that if we see one experience, we don't say, oh, then that is a doctrinal statement that I'm not going to hang my hat on. And people who disagree with me, I'm going to vilify. Oh, friends, be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful. Treat people with grace as they might not agree with you on every stance. But um, we have to really be careful about our doctrine and our sacraments and and things like communion and what, what the Catholic Church calls confirmation. And we know 
I don't want to preach. I want to get ahead of myself, but that's a sermon coming up that God's spirit calls us sons right here with your hand on your chest. And that's the confirmation that you have been born again, adopted by the father. Amen. Amen. All right, come on. So it's not an experience when you're four years old, can be in certain church, but the actual salvation comes right here as God speaks to you. And so, for example, let me just, let me just say this. When God pours out his spirit, on a church, on a people, it can look very interesting, okay? So if someone starts laughing uncontrollably in the back of the sanctuary, that has happened before years ago, please hear me. Now, it didn't happen today, so I just wrote it in there because I know this kind of thing happened, especially with Vineyard, there was, that was a movement. You have a choice. Who, who was here the last two weeks? Who was here the last two weeks? Only five of you were here. Who was I? I was talking to a bunch of clones. Come on, y'all. Who was here the last two weeks? <laughs> I was like, AI has made clones. Okay, so we have two ways of thinking, right? Right? The led by the Spirit are, are kind of a judgmental attitude. So be careful because in that moment, you can say, oh, she needs to get a hold of herself. What you might not know, she might be being set free from a depression. She might have a spirit of oppression that's been on her mind for years and she's set free. You see? So be very careful how you judge. In fact, what I would strongly suggest, and we're going to land the plane here later, is that you just don't judge. Just let God do what he wants and don't try to control. Usually trying to control is not a good idea. So spirit and sacrament are both important. But hear me, the spirit brings life, but the law kills. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3. You show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient ourselves. Guys, we are not sufficient. We did, we did nothing to deserve God's grace. Remember point one, we did nothing, only Jesus. Okay, nothing to claim for ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Now hear this, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You say, Pastor Jordan, what does that mean? Did you know people can use the word of God as a weapon? Did you know you can beat people up with the word of God? I've had many people sit on our back patio or around our dining table and tell us that their, a previous pastor had beat them up with the word of God. You know, you don't serve one week and suddenly it's, you're embarrassed in front of others. That's, that's terrible. Throw a verse in there to make your point terrible, right? Sometimes Lord knows people just need a break, you know? Right, don't amen that. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Our sufficiency it comes from God. The Spirit gives life. This is what makes the new covenant new. Is <laughs> before it's on tablets of stone, but now God writes his law on your heart so you not only know the right thing to do, you want to do the right thing. That's the gospel, and it's so beautiful, right? So what are sacraments? Sacraments like confirmation, holy communion, what the Catholic Charles the Catholics call the Eucharist. Baptism, these are staples in the Protestant church and they're important. This is why we have communion once a month. If you want to know why we don't do it every week, because we feel that if we do it too often, it can take away 
the meaningfulness and the importance of it. And I was just asked that question last week is a great question. And I said, you're going to love the next, next week's sermon, I told the lady who asked me that. Because we want to do it regularly enough to obey Jesus when he said, do this often, do this in remembrance of me. But not so often that it takes away the meaning. So things like marriage, right? That's one of their sacraments. Communion. Baptism. What we, what we call water baptism. Important, but it's important that we do it according to what the Bible says. And I, I know this is a word from, from the Lord for you guys today because I even had two people talk with me this week because they were told that if they don't get water baptized, that the demons that they have inside are going to stay stuck there. And I said, that is not true. <laughs> I'm looking at them like, just so you know, not true. Yeah, not true. So as a Christian, you cannot be demon-possessed. Everybody high-five your neighbor say, thank the Lord. Woo. Yeah, not true. You can have an attack of demonic spirit, right? Trying to oppress your mind, trying to get you to think the wrong way. Everything we talked about the last two weeks. You can have that, but you're not going to be possessed when you're born again. Everybody say, thank God. So man will sometimes get things a little bit messed up and try to form new doctrine, but we don't want to do that. We want to read the word and really live out what the word says. Amen? Amen. All right. So wisdom is often found in the tension. Again, tension not to be confused with compromise is when you hold two things to be true at the same time. Amen? Can you guys say this with me? Let's read the screen together. Wisdom is often found in the tension. Tension, not to be confused with compromise, is when you're holding two things to be true at the same time. Amen? See, we want to be led by the Spirit. We want the creativity and the spontaneousness of the Spirit. Spontaneousness, is that a word? It is now. I have the microphone, so I'm allowed to decide. The spontaneity of the Spirit. There it is. That's it. Spontaneity of the Spirit. But we also want to have sound doctrine. How many guys love sound doctrine? You want to do things right. You want to do things biblically. But hear me. In an effort to have sound doctrine, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Holy Spirit can be grieved? He can be given joy. He can be sad. God's Word says His Spirit can be quenched. In an effort to have sound doctrine, you can grieve the Holy Spirit if you're dismissing or discrediting what He's doing here and now. And plenty of ministers are doing that, and it's dangerous. And you should not subscribe to them on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. I'm trying to help you out as your pastor right now. If you are, unsubscribe. <laughs> Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who you're listening to and know that God's Spirit is always moving in powerful ways, ways that you can't explain. When Catherine Coleman is ministering and there's a lot of people being healed, I can almost guarantee you there was people in the back being like, this is not of God. I know this isn't of God because X, Y, Z. But often you don't believe in miracles until you need one. In an effort to have sound doctrine, you can grieve the Holy Spirit if you're dismissing or discrediting what he is doing so be very slow to speak, Proverbs says. <laughs> and quick to listen, quick to listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing. A good dose of humility goes a long way in realizing that you don't have the corner on everything. 
None of us do. One of my good friends, a Baptist pastor, Dan Barker, we had, I had him preach here a couple years ago at a prayer night. And uh, there are certain things that we disagree with on, but the vast majority of our faith we agree on. And I love him, and he's my brother. He's my Baptist brother. He's my brother from another mother. Come on. That sounded weird. Sorry, I apologize. See, Jesus said it like this. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days from now. And Jesus promises to baptize with the Holy Spirit to enable us to hear his voice, to be sanctified, but mainly to empower us to tell others about him. That's what one, Acts 1 8 and other scriptures tell us. It empowers us to tell others about him, but it's also so that we can hear his voice and be sanctified. So that when the, it's the same Holy Spirit that tells us to prophesy, it's the same Holy Spirit that tells us to keep our mouth shut. It's the same Holy Spirit that leads us to give an encouraging word to someone. It's the same Holy Spirit that tells us, maybe in a disagreement with our spouse, to be like, amen. That was a good spot for an amen. I know the rest of you were too scared. You're like, nope, I'm always right. My spouse is always wrong. You need the sermon then, sir. You need to be listening, right? No. So pastor, some faith believe in water baptism and some not in Holy Spirit baptism and some believe in Holy Spirit baptism, but they say you don't need water baptism. What's the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay, water baptism. What is this sacrament? Water baptism, an act of obedience to the words of Jesus in an effort to follow his example. Right? To declare to the world that you're a Jesus follower. Romans puts it like this, that when we go under the water, it's like you're putting to death your old way of thinking to bury it. How many of you guys were here last week when Troy got baptized? It was beautiful. Young man uh, in, our, in our church. It was awesome. Right? The Holy Spirit baptism is when God baptizes you in, the, in his Holy Spirit and empowers you to be his witness. Right? It's different from water baptism. It's a gift from the Father for all who simply ask, seek, and knock, and patiently wait. So if you've been praying for a baptism of the Spirit, and maybe you've been praying for one week, and you're like, man, I've been praying all week. I want to encourage you, keep praying. I've met people who prayed for two months, three months, and you say, why would God make me wait? I don't know. I'm not God. But I want to tell you, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep praying, just like those 120 went to the upper room, and God will fill you. Amen? God will fill you. In fact, even the sacrament of, of, of oil that's used in, in certain denominations around the world, that's a representation of the oil of God's Spirit. Come on, somebody. I'm getting ahead to week four. Sorry. I got excited there. All right, let me get back to my notes. Why, why be water baptized? Okay? So some of you might be here today, and you've actually never been water baptized. You love Jesus. And Rock of Grace is your church, but maybe I've been water baptized. Uh, coming up soon, we're going to have another water baptism. So why? Obedience to Jesus. Jesus' example. It's a sign of following Jesus, and it opens the heavens. It opens the heavens over your life. I can't explain this, but when Jesus was baptized, come on, how many of you guys remember this? When Jesus, well, not like you were there, sorry. Remember that? It was amazing. It's a great day. How many of remember reading this? Okay. Jesus is baptized, a voice from heaven. This is my son, right? Whom I'm well pleased. Like this opens the heavens and he walks, starts walking in his ministry. 
So watch out if God doesn't do something amazing and new in your life when you get water baptized. Amen? So obedience to the Lord, not just as Savior. It's not just that he saved me, but that he's Lord. It's not just that I needed him to forgive me, but that he's Lord. Lord means in charge. Come on, say this with me. Lord means in charge. So it's this command where he tells us to be baptized. In fact, Matthew 28, when he sends out the disciples, he says, go, teach them to obey everything I've told you, baptizing them, right? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Pray for the sick. Mark 10, when we get this same picture, he sends out the disciples, pray for the sick, cast out the demon, preach the, preach the word of God, tell them everything I taught you. It's powerful. So we get this picture of Jesus, Look at Romans chapter six. I want to read this again. I know we said this at the beginning. I want to say it again. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. It's, it's a symbol, okay? That water represents uh, almost like a grave. You're going into the grave. You're being buried with Jesus. We're raised up out of the water. It's like the resurrection of Jesus. That's why the whole church always just gets lit up when, when someone comes out of that water because we can all feel it in our spirit, man, like they're being made new. It opens the heavens over your life. I could tell you multiple stories of people who started to walk in miraculous, just amazing things after they got water baptized. Pretty cool. So again, what's the difference? Is the Holy Spirit baptism different? Yes. In John 14, Jesus promises that the Father will give the Holy Spirit. He says, it's better for you that I go now, guys, think about this. How awesome would it have been to walk the streets of Capernaum with Jesus? How many of us think that would have been cool? How awesome would it have been to walk into the synagogue that day when the man with the shriveled hand is there and Jesus says, come on, do you want to be healed? He stretch out your hand and his hand grows out. How many of us think that would have been awesome to walk with Jesus? Yet Jesus says, it's better for you that I go. Right? Better. Because the Holy Spirit now is going to be in you. This is what he says in John 14 and 15. It's not just that I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. Everybody put your hand right here on your chest. The Holy Spirit is going to be in you. And for those of you that are baptized in the Spirit, you know what I'm talking about. It nudges you. It speaks to you. The Spirit is the voice of God that prompts you to do the will of God. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So there's many times when the Holy Spirit will remind you of, of something Jesus said or Jesus did, and it guides your life. How many of you guys need that sort of guide, right? One time I preached a, a sermon called Spirit Guide, just to scare everybody. Because <laughs> it was a Baptist church, and I said, today my sermon's called Spirit Guide. Everybody's eyebrows went. I was like, the Holy Spirit. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, Pastor, where did you get this guy? It was great. It was great. Half of them were baptized. It was great. It looked like, I was awesome. All right. Although there were many questions afterwards, but it was great. Water baptism is not required for us to be saved. We're saved by faith through grace. Okay? And it's the same thing with, with being filled with the Spirit. It's not that you have to be baptized in the Spirit to be saved, okay? Because it's a separate experience from accepting Christ. Now, some people do experience both at the same time. They repent of their sin, and they're also baptized in the Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit of God. They speak in other tongues. They're baptized. But 
most of us have that separate experience. So what is it for? It empowers you for right living. It empowers you, enables you to tell other people about Jesus. Because let's be honest, sometimes we get a little bit scared. We get a little bit worried. Are they going to accept us? Whether we're at the, the hospital or the dentist's office or the store, right? We can get a little bit afraid. What if they reject me? But if the Spirit of God compels you to tell them. Amen? Water baptism, however, is commanded by Jesus to illustrate and demonstrate our commitment. So spirit and sacrament, both are important. Please hear me. One does not negate the other. And what so many people in the church today are doing, the charismatics over here, are vilifying the Protestants over here. And the Protestants over here are going, well, thank God we don't swing from the chandeliers like those crazies over there. Come on, you laugh because you know it's true. How many of y'all got some friends that they don't even know why you come here? They think you're crazy. Come on, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it is funny at times. But we have, to, we have to, number one, see that the kingdom of God is panoramic. Everybody say panoramic. So if someone doesn't see a certain thing like an expression of the Spirit or a certain interpretation of a certain verse, just like we do, we don't vilify them. Come on, because they're our brother and sister. This is why Paul says, why are some of you devouring one another? Why are you backbiting one another? Don't you know that's your old way of living? Remember that? That's what Paul says. So instead, we celebrate and we value one another, but we invite each other into these experiences with the Lord. Oh boy, I only got to point two. So I hope you're going to let the, you're going to let the roast uh, burn today. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get you out of here. All right, here we go. Only Jesus can make all things new, not our faithful practices. So if you're listening online and, and you think, well, you know, I, I do. I just think, Pastor Jordan, I just think you guys are a little crazy, you know, because we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this. And that's what makes me in right standing with God. No, I'm sorry. Only Jesus makes you in right standing with God. Nothing that you do on a consistent religious ritual basis gets you right with God. Nothing. Zilch. Nada. You know what the Greek word for that is? None. Negatory. None. Nada. Nothing. That's the, that's the PJV. Okay? Pastor Jordan version, if you missed that joke. It's an old. It's, it's cheesy. All right. Nothing that we can do. Everybody say nothing. Come on. Everybody say only Jesus. Only Jesus puts us in right staying with God. Only Jesus makes us new. Galatians 3 says it like this. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. All? Yes. Yes. Even the Baptist over there that doesn't exactly believe that Revelation 21 is going to lay out like, yes. Everybody just say, oh, that's good, right? I know, right? Even, even someone else in a different denomination, but they love Jesus. They serve Jesus. But, but Jesus is first. Yes, that's your brother and your sister in Christ. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into death, were buried with him? Wow. So some falsely believe that by doing certain religious routines, that makes them righteous and others not righteous. In fact, if you're too worried about others being less righteous than you, then that's how you know you're in a problem and that you've bought into this religious idea. 
It's only Jesus. It's only, everybody says one more time, say only Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We're all made to drink from one spirit. And so again, you might leave here and say, oh man, Jordan's compromising and Jordan's into universalism. No, I'm not, absolutely not. I'm just saying there are many expressions of Christianity, many expressions of Christianity, many in the body of Christ. Amen? Colossians 2 says it like this, having been buried with Jesus into his baptism, which you also were raised through him in the working of God. This is he who raises the dead. So water baptism, whether you've done it or not, it doesn't make you a better Christian than the other guy. Water baptism is just an obedience thing. It's a renewal thing. It's a powerful thing that God invites you into. So doctrine does matter though. Everybody say it does matter. Because there are points where you draw the line in the sand. I had a pastor with me literally two weeks ago and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I literally have to close my church because Presbyterians are telling me that homosexuality is okay and that we're, they're ordaining homosexual ministers and deacons and elders. He said, this is my only option. I said, that's right. That is your only option. And I ate another chip. <laughs> Eating chips and salsa. That's, how many of you guys know God visits you at El Torero? Come on. Jeremy felt a witness on that one. This pastor said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I said, I just know God is going to supply for you and you're called to be a shepherd and God will establish you. And don't, re- don't forget, I looked him in the eyes. I put my chip down. I, said, I looked him in the eyes and I said, hear me, the Presbyterian church didn't call you. Jesus called you. The Presbyterian church is not who you're going to stand before the great white throne. Jesus is who you're going to stand before. So you got to be faithful to him. So there are times when you draw the line you draw the line and you say, well, actually, this is sound doctrine. This is the framework. And so, yes, there are times, but we have to be, again, careful if someone just interprets a verse different, but it's not clear in Scripture, because that's a clear one. The homosexuality thing, that's extremely clear. I can give you all the verses another day, but there's, there's, it's very clear, right? But listen, please hear me, though. Have compassion on those who are being told it's okay. Have compassion. Never mock them. Never make fun of them. Have compassion that they're being lied to. That's why we made that video, Someone Lied to You. If you haven't seen that video, go on our YouTube or our Facebook. Check it out. Share it with a friend, a cousin, nephew, relative, whoever's struggling with that. Just send. I wanted to give you a tool that you could send to them. It's called Someone Lied to You. How many of you know who that someone is? Satan. So the Spirit of God brings the biblical sacraments to life. So yes, the sacrament of marriage is important and it's sacred. Sacrament, it's sacred and holy. I don't know why my pulpit became my sacrament, but don't know what's happening here. Maybe I just know jujitsu now or just it's a mime. I don't know. <laughs> Pastors are weird, aren't we? I mean, what am I doing here, Jason? What, what is this? I don't know. But this is the sacrament, okay? So there are times you draw the line, Amen. The Spirit of God, though, brings the biblical sacraments to life. This is why you can be taking communion and it not be this boring, lifeless thing. It can be invigorating and heartfelt and meaningful because you realize Jesus died for you. 
You see what I mean? The Spirit doesn't take away the sacrament. The Spirit brings the sacrament to life. It's not one in place of the other. It's both. It's Spirit and sacrament. You see, Philippians 1.19 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. And in that, we see the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ that points us to Jesus. This is why Jesus would say, it's better for you that I go because I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is alive and well. Next week, we're gonna talk about the Holy Eucharist, right? Otherwise known as communion, the importance of it. But again, the spirit and sacrament, it's called that, this sermon series is called that on purpose because you have to realize God wants us to have sound doctrine, biblical doctrine, where we honor things like marriage, communion, confirmation, baptism, but we do it in a biblical way, yet the biblical way is allowing the spontaneity of the spirit to say something new we didn't expect. And by the way, a lot of us charismatics who think it's funny that other people have liturgy and ex expected things. Us charismatics have liturgy too. We, usually, we have four songs. We have announcements. That's right. Come on. We have a sermon, three points in a poem. I don't do the poem thing, but you get the... You, come on. How many guys know? There's sometimes we know what we're going to expect. But at the same time, how many guys are like me? When you come into church, I'm expecting to be surprised. Because I serve an alive God. I serve a God that I'm led by the Spirit of God. So our services should always experience something we did not plan for. We should always experience something that was not in the order of service. Yes, indeed, Jason, not in planning center. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God doing something, right? Life-changing, not in the order of service. I love that. That's beautiful. I'm going to close with this thought as the band comes up. I just had an analogy that pops in my mind. It's not my sermon. But imagine that you're falling in love and you're going, imagine me and Danielle are going on a date, right? Now, I started dating her when I was like 14. So I couldn't drive her. I was like, I'll pick you up on my trike. No, I didn't say that. But so imagine you're like 19, right? And you're going on a date. What if you, what if you said, all right, so here's what's going to happen. Here's how it's going to go down. At 620, we're going to walk in. At 623. We're going to go in and we're going to check out the menu. At 627.5, you're going to order item number nine. You're going to enjoy it too. At 632, right? Come on. I remember I had a pastor once called, this is about seven years ago, and he was, he, we, we, he was talking about going to his church. And I said, well, tell me about your worship services. And he said, well, they're 18 minutes long. And I said, oh, I'm not your guy. <laughs> He's like, what? I didn't even share. I'm like, well, tell me more. And he's like, yeah. So he's going on. And he's like, but we're really particular about the 18 minutes. I'm like, I'm, really, I'm just telling you, I'm not your guy. Plus, I love Rock of Grace, but I'm just telling you, I'm not your guy. You know, because imagine, let's go back to the metaphor. I got a little distracted by myself. I interrupted myself. Sorry. So I'm, I'm on this date with Danielle. Then I say, hey, at 6.43, you're going to look at me and smile. And I'm looking at you and give a little wink. And then you're going to know that I love you. And I know that you love me. And then we're going to enjoy some dessert. And then she's gonna, at some point, she's gonna be like, and at what point do we just have an organic conversation? Right? And I, I'm really trusting the Holy Spirit speaking right now because it's not my sermon, not that God speaks through the prepared sermon, which lives out the message too, but hear me out. God wants to be eyes to eyes with you. 
He wants an organic conversation with you that goes somewhere that you didn't plan. What if Jesus looks you in the eyes and talks to you about something that you weren't ready to talk about, but he's looking at you and he's like, why don't we talk about that? I wanna invite the prayer team up because all of this begins with being baptized in the spirit. Being baptized in the spirit because it is the spirit that brings this relationship with Jesus to life. It's the spirit that brings scripture to life. It's the spirit that brings sacraments to life. And some of you might say, well, what's gonna happen to me? What if I fall down? We have catchers that will catch you for one. What if I, will I speak in another language? Probably, possibly, it's called speaking in tongues, speaking a new language. You say, that's weird, I know. Weird in the sense of strange. It is weird. Can we just say, it's, it's strange. It's strange. But again, remember what I said a couple weeks ago, when the surrounding nations saw Israel and they saw a pillar of fire, that's weird. That's strange. The things of God are strange to us at first. Falling in love is weird at first, right? But God has something special and beautiful and uniquely for you. This organic, spontaneous, genuine relationship with each of you. He can speak something to Nolan that's different than he speaks to Jack, that's different than he speaks to me, that's different than he speaks to Ray, all at once. All at once, in the same millisecond, the Holy Spirit reveals the beauty of Jesus to each of us in unique ways. That's amazing. I want you to stand up to your feet. If you want to be baptized in the Spirit, I want you to walk to one of these prayer members. If you want to be baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God, that second experience that we talked about. Now, I know before you even go, some of you are like, I want to go, Jordan, but I just don't understand it. I can't fully explain it to you. I promise. I've tried. I love studying and I love putting together a sermon and I've preached a lot about the Spirit. Sir, ma'am, I can't give you 20 points that's going to make you fully understand. You just have to experience it. I can tell you all about the Magnum at Cedar Point, but you don't know what the Magnum is until you ride the Magnum at Cedar Point. Right? I haven't been a youth pastor in a long time, so that was... Maybe it's not even there anymore, but you get the idea. God wants you to experience him. Spirit and sacrament, spirit to spirit, heart to heart. So as they worship, would you just find a prayer team member, even if you were filled years ago, but you say, you know what? I'd like to be refilled with the spirit. Is that biblical? Yep. It says in the book of Acts, they were again filled with the spirit. They were again filled with the spirit of God. Amen? Let's worship him.